Welcome to the second uh, Sports Tech Australia uh, meetup. As you guys know, a few of you here last time and a few new faces here. The idea of this meetup is just to bring together people who are involved in a convergence of digital and, and sports. Press on to Patrick, the final uh, nation today. So Patrick's from EGAL has got a, a completely different side of the sports uh, industry to talk about today. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. I'm sorry I'm late. Um, probably the first lesson is not to book an early flight interstate for a, you know, a first up business meeting. Um, but I'm happy to be here. Um, you're right, I run EGAL. So I founded EGAL, which is a, a calendar marketing platform. Um, and what it allows publishers to do is to... Um, easily create and manage their uh, events content in the cloud in one in one place and also publish it then to multiple channels um, uh, and it also allows them you know most notably with our product to actually publish directly into their customers personal calendar bypassing the inbox um, so our technology uh, integrates with every major calendar program on smartphone uh, on desktop calendar and even social calendar so a consumer say you're on a sports site, you can actually choose you know, a season schedule of their favourite NBA team, um, plus corporate events, player birthdays, their TV program, whatever content that they actually want, so they get to choose, and they can easily sync that with their preferred calendar device. Um, I came up with the concept way back in, um, around about 2000, I was working uh, as a sports exec, um, yeah, that's my background, um, and I was working for the British Horse Racing Board in, in London for a couple of years, working on um, the biggest rebrand of the sport in, in British history. It was a, a £10 million pound, uh, uh, campaign, so it was nice to have a good budget in sports marketing and be able to test some stuff. It was brilliant. Um, but what that campaign did was, was centralise all the, the racing content schedules, ticket information, all into one um, portal called Discover Racing. Um, and it was all aimed at getting a new audience into the sport of racing because um, for, for many a year that, that sport of racing in, in Britain had been polarised. You've got the, the top hat and tails and you've really got the, the low betting shop punter. Um, and it was lacking the social and family aspect in the middle. Um, but anyhow, the, uh, we built a, a website that incorporated all 60 race courses and all their content and information and were driving people online, but yet they were still producing a fixture booklet and sending that out. Um, and it just didn't make sense to me. So really the concept of creating an online fixture is what led me to um, developing the first e-diary, as it was called back then, when I returned back to Australia in about 2004, which was a .NET application, um, and it was really great for its time. Um, and, and what it was able to do was actually drop in a sort of fully formatted calendar files directly into Outlook. Uh, and had workarounds for other uh, popular calendar programs as well. Um, but what then happened over time was um, uh, technology increased and all the major platforms adopted internet calendars, the WebCal protocol, CalDAV, uh, and that, what that allowed is actually um, the ability not to have just a static dump of information into the calendar, but a full dynamic connection. So in 2010, uh, I rebuilt um, a completely new platform rebranded to eCal because the word diary just doesn't fly in the United States. Right? It's a personal journal of thoughts for a 16-year-old about the next-door neighbour. <laughs> um, so eCal was, was uh, the new brand and we put a completely new platform. That platform is, is the cloud-based, cloud-based platform 
um, and allows that dynamic connection. So one of the major assets of eCal is, is that a publisher can actually, you know, once a consumer subscribes and creates their profile, um, a publisher can then push content directly into the personal calendar space at any particular time. Um, and so all the major calendar programs on smartphone, on desktop, on, and, and progressively on social, um, you know, have that ability to receive dynamic internet calendars, basically. Um, so we work with um, pretty much, well, I'm not going to say every major sport in Australia, but most, um, from Cricket Australia to like half the AFL teams, NRL teams, Super Rugby, um, Eurosport, um, New Zealand Rugby Union and All Blacks and all their, um, all their uh, products. But also in the United States, we've successfully moved overseas. We do about 65, 70% of our revenue in the, in the United States. Um, so we do six of the top NFL teams. We do the Patriots, the Packers, the Bears. So really big brands. Um, NBA, we do the Celtics, Atlanta Hawks. Um, so we're sweeping through the NBA currently. We do the whole of Major League Soccer, every team, plus the, plus the whole organisation. We do LPGA, we do Sports Business Journal, we do Univision. Um, so really the, the focus for us, um, I suppose when we asked to speak about um, key lessons in the business um, and also some of the challenges facing us. So it's one of the key lessons is, um, I suppose, the fact that you know, the world generally is, a, in my view, quite a small place. Um, you know, I've got a mindset that you know, we've got a product, it works, it's fantastic, it's market tested, uh, you know, it, it does fantastic things and there's no reason why we can't grab the top NFL team um, and, and get, to, get to use our product. So, um, and, and to do that in, in terms of the market access and the way we've entered market, there's, there's a couple of things that we've relied on. There's a couple of assistance and packages that um, have helped along the way from the Australian Government. Um, we've accessed things like, I did a digital media mission to New York and Silicon Valley in around 2010, 2011. It's backed by Austrade and Amia. And that was brilliant because it kind of just broke the ice and it sort of gave you a feeling that, you know, what was required to actually work in the United States market, gave you some great door openings, gave you some great contacts. Um, and visiting the offices of Facebook and the like was a really great eye-opener. You know, it's no different to, to any other organisation. Um, and it gives you the confidence probably to progress that market pretty, pretty well. Um, I then contracted some agents, and um, and again I learnt my lessons there. Um, you can get you can get agents overseas that will work for you, and you know you strike a great deal, and they're happy to work just on commissions and maybe a really low base or retainer, might be five grand a month. But the bottom line is, if you can't see them, they're not working for you, um, and there's a lot of time and, and, and effort wasted. Um, and it kind of feels sometimes, you know, depending who you work with in, others, you know, in the United States, I won't sort of single out them out as, as, as you know, being this particular case, but with any consultants, generally have their hand out a lot and, and you know, every expense is, is billed. And, and um, I think the, the biggest lesson there is if you don't do it properly, um, you know, if you, if, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, basically. Um, and uh, that was a key lesson because there's a lot of wasted time in entering the market. Um, but in saying that, we were able to grab one test um, client um, that was a big brand that was willing to take it on. You know, we had to provide the service for free because they're the Miami Dolphins and they're not going to pay. And uh, that's kind of what you get in the United States as well. 
that was great because then it gets you into market, gets you a case study, you can take the case study somewhere else and we get into the Major League Soccer, we'll do a full sort of year with them, we've got a really robust case study that now we can just take to anyone and, and, um, and, and they're willing to take it on. One of the key differences in working with Australian clients versus US clients, it's probably another key learning, is that generally with the US big brands, they don't need to be first to use your products. They don't give us stuff. You know, they're happy for, so the NFL teams really like it and want to use it, but they're happy for someone else to do it first, prove the model, and then come talk to me. We've found probably in Australia they're a little bit more progressive in actually adopting new technology first because they want to be the innovators. Um, so organisations like Hawthorne Football Club, Melbourne Victory, um, Canterbury Bulldogs, Melbourne Storm, yeah, they're really quite progressive clubs and are always willing to take things on first and be a leader. Um, and it suits their brand um, and, and who they want to be. So um, I find that's a really key difference in working those those markets as well. Um, now in the United States, you know, we, or as a business, you know, we will start to transition as much as possible to a, um, you know, to, to a US sort of facing entity because that's where the opportunity lies for us. Uh, and in Europe, I mean, we work with major organisations in Europe as well in kind of European tour golf and, and Premier Rugby clubs and what have you. So um, managing that progression is another key challenge for us in having all the resources available to actually manage the opportunity and the progression as best we can. It's no use just establishing an office in New York, London and, and what have you. If we haven't got the right people there, they're not fully funded and we can't service the clients. Um, one of the other key learnings, I think, in doing business in, in the States compared to Australia is that probably the, the organisations in the States are prepared to pay for, prepared to pay a little bit more, which is fantastic, um, but they're also prepared to pay for the security. So they want you around and they're prepared to pay for the additional support and account management setups and things like that. So that was another sort of key learning. We can start to charge for the things that we should be charging for in terms of our you know, um, support level agreements. I mean, they're expensive, the insurance is expensive, um, our time is expensive. If we want to have an office there with dedicated staff, they'll need to be paid for and they kind of understand that, um, which is a good thing. Um, I've just returned from a trip back from the States, so, so travel is something that's becoming more and more regular um, and uh, because they do require FaceTime. Absolutely, they need to be seen that you're local and you're here and, and uh, you're around. So we've just set up a US company, a US local bank account, and, and those sorts of things are kind of key pillars in, in transitioning the business to be a little bit more local and a little bit more um, US focused. Um, it probably gets me to one of the next major challenges in the, in the, in the road ahead, and, and that's funding. Um, you know, raising capital is, is always difficult. Um, raising capital in Australia is incredibly difficult, um, and the valuation you're going to get here is is half what you'll get in the states. So, you know, we're currently raising it at a certain amount. You know, it's 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 quite a few million worth. Um, but what we'd be able to raise at the same time in, in the states is probably double. Um, so, what I find some challenges in accessing capital here is. Um, 
you know, there's funds around, but whether they've actually got money and actively spending is, is another thing. Um, so that's one of the key challenges and difficulties that I've always found in speaking with, with um, uh, sort of funds here, venture funds here, is that it can be a waste of time. Um, and I think the more, um, the more progressive business becomes, um, the more you can actually, you know, um, I suppose be a bit more powerful in the negotiation right up front and say, okay, well, you know, really early, early doors, find out, well, are you really interested? Do you have the money? Are you spending at the moment? And, and is it a serious chance? Instead of negotiating for two or three months on a certain valuation, they come back to you with, you know, the final offer, which is about 20% of what you've been talking about. And it's like, well, wasn't that a waste of time? Um, and to a small business, it's a killer because I've wasted all my time um, negotiating all this you know, investment and when I should be selling. Um, so we're still at that sort of position where we've got a small team and uh, my time is best spent selling. Um, that's why you've been successful. Not because you're sitting talking to venture. No, that's right. I, I, yeah, and, and that's been a key learning. I have wasted many a time on paid consultants and I've wasted time on... Um, on, on raising capital for too long with, with no result. Um, but now I think the business is at a great stage where it's becoming a little bit easier because we've got some great runs on the board. Um, but again, navigating to the right fund that's actually it's in their interest profile is difficult because you've got funds there that, you know, um, that they've got money, but you know their profile might be they're only interested in SaaS-based businesses online. Sorry, That's it. Anyone, anyone, Any enterprise sales, not interested. So it cuts you out of the out of the conversation. Um, we're currently raising capital from Taiwan, um, which is great. You know, this is a um, it's a professional investment fund. Um, it's come from an Australian contact, but it'd be great for us because it actually gives us a channel into the Asian market as part of the deal. Plus, you know, obviously funds. Um, so investment raising, capital raising is, is a key challenge. Um, what we've got to be doing now is, is giving ourselves a good 12-month runway to really execute, team up, resource up. Um, I've just recently appointed a COO, so that drops a lot of the weight off my shoulders. And you know that person can do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of all the business processes, recruitment, finance, everything that bogs down my time. So again, I can start to channel on biz dev and sales and marketing. Um, and then it's sort of, you know, building the team underneath. More sales people, more accounts people to execute on the opportunity. And that takes funding up front. So if we can get 12 months runway um, and we're looking to raise, you know, now uh, around about 500k and then we'll follow up in around about 9 to 12 months with a genuine Series A. So a good 1.5 mil to 2 mil from, from the US at a much higher valuation. Um, so it'll be a great kicker for anyone that sort of comes on now. In 12 months' time, they'll get a good rise in valuation. Um, the other key challenge for us is, um, and one of the key objectives for us, is to be positioned in the enterprise marketing communication space. So we're just not a calendar widget, right? So there's, there's a couple of sort of you know wannabes that have seen what we do and try and replicate it with some, some calendar widgets that sync to desktop calendars and things like that. Ours is quite a deep marketing tool in that it captures a fully profiled customer database. Um, it tracks behavioural analytics and click-through data. It, it's quite deep and it's all based on the premise that everyone's moving towards more personalised services, 
um, implementing dynamic CRM systems to learn more about their customer and what they're doing and their behaviour. And the biggest value of our platform down the track will be not only the access to the client base, but also that analytics and the customer data. Um, so we want to be positioned away from the calendar software tools and be positioned in the enterprise communication space with the likes of Exact Target, Marketo, Responses, uh, Aloqua, um, HubSpot. Right? Those five companies in the last 12 months had revenue of $660 million. The automated marketing CRM sector is growing at 20% year on year. It's massive because the biggest problem in marketers today, with marketers today, is the highly fragmented communication space. Is it so everyone's got to communicate via email, SMS, calendar, social, Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 right? And managing that is a really critical problem in, in every sector. So what we're seeing is sort of end-to-end marketing solutions and the growth of those, um, uh, such as Marketo, Exact Target, and what have you. Above those, you've got the likes of Salesforce, Adobe, and what have you, acquiring those companies. And, you know, they, what Salesforce just acquired... Um, exact target for $2 billion, yeah? Um, so this is kind of what's happening is, is, you know, those big entities trying to put a cloud, social cloud you know, together where they can service every part of that fragment, fragmented communication space. So interestingly, and from a business strategy point of view, is that all those end-to-end marketing solutions don't have a calendar marketing solution, okay? So that's where our opportunity is. So this is why we want to be positioned in that market, participate in that market, and um, and uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Without stating the obvious, we want yeah. to be yeah. honest. And, and, but, but you, would you describe your business still ultimately as engagement around an event? Because it's not really like you say about the calendar. It's about what's in the calendar. And you, yeah. Do you know what it's content? As opposed mar- to contact management or. CRM yeah, it's not contact management. It's it, it's content marketing. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, if you, if you, and there's some really big pain points that, and, and the trend is all going in our favour, right? Because, um, and, and we knew this was coming, and this is why we exist. You know, Gmail has just uh, is now auto filtering your emails, right? So you've now got your primary email filter, you've got a promotions filter, and you've got some other filter. So all your emails from Canterbury Bulldogs, you know, NRL, and what have you, they're all going to promotions tab. Never, they never get seen there. So, um, and 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 the um, you know, as, if, as if email open rates weren't bad enough. I mean, they're 15 to 20 percent at best, right? They're right down as low as 5 percent. Um, so 15 to 20 percent is considered good and great. Well, 80 percent are missing out on your message. So with the calendar, um, it completely bypasses the inbox, goes straight into the calendar, and in such a busy and cluttered and noisy world, you're able to capture a person's time and attention. Literally, you've got a space of their time. Um, and that's the way you know the modern consumer is is managing their time is via their schedule. Yeah. What we're finding on the eCal platform. So what we're finding on the eCal platform is that you know now 40 to 45 percent of, of users are subscribing to smartphone. So the modern consumer is managing their personal schedule via their smartphone. And what we're also seeing in the landscape is that all these social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn are all developing hard on the calendar space. So you've got LinkedIn calendar now, you've got Google Plus calendar, you've got Twitter invites, Facebook calendar is evolving all the time. 
So as soon as they open up their API for integration, bang, they appear in the calendar, eCal calendar widgets for integration under a social tab. Um, yeah, I, I, think. I did some great work with Google last year on uh, the Google Plus calendar. That's a uh, great calendar. I, I was working in uh, yeah. online restaurant reservations and we worked with them in terms of how to tag up the emails we were sending the confirmation emails so that it would automatically drag it straight into the calendar so they can use it as their personal organizer. And, uh, oh, nice. Uh, you know, it was all really about you know, how to structure data and, and yeah. so forth and what we're doing. And uh, it was a fascinating project to work yeah. on. I don't think they've launched it yet, but it's a fascinating project we worked on yeah, yeah. as a sort of initial partner. Nice. Yeah, data's, data's a really big thing. You know, we, um, we, you know, for our major clients like Major League Soccer, we send... Um, you know, tag data files every day at 12.01 to their secure FTP, right? Of which they upload and import into their master database, into their CRM. And um, this is the whole trend of, of dynamic CRM. So um, what you're seeing on all these major sites is you know, my ESPN, my Sky. It's all about personalization. And you're constantly, um, you know, on their websites asking for information to better know the profile and their interest. And, and you're seeing... Um, you know, ad choices serving ad advertising to suit your interest. You're seeing the ability on the site and on, on, on tablets and on mobile apps to um, have your content at your disposal uh, first up. So you see the teams that you follow and their news and their videos and what have you. So, um, yeah, our system actually works to probably profile their customers, capture them at the point of interest um, and, um, and profile them and, and, and they can... Uh, integrate them into their CRM. So, okay, that's probably so good synopsis of what we're doing. Any last question for Patrick before we uh, wrap up? Is your business model in charging the leads? Yeah, how does that work? Yeah, the business model, that's a good one. That was my next um, challenge. <laughs> okay, so um, currently, and that's been a challenge because we're a new market. We created this new market for calendar communications. Um, so, what do we charge? You know, we started off with. Um, and who? Always the publisher, never the consumer. Um, so the publisher pays an annual license fee for our product, um, and that might range from, um, you know, like professional sports teams paying you know, five to six grand a year. It's nothing, you know. So um, what we're transitioning to, and one of the challenge is that we're transitioning to a subscription-based fee. So um, really low-level license fee, and then you pay per, per subscription. Because which is much better in line with our costs, because it's a dynamic connection. Okay, so every time a phone opens, right, and you open the calendar, it makes a fetch for the latest information from the calendars, which is making a ping on our server, and we're pushing through the information, and that's really our cost is in the serving of the data, right, and hosting and serving the data. So it's a more reasonable model for us to charge per subscription, um, and. Um, uh, so we're progressing, progressing that and introducing that as a new model. Um, and it's more probably reasonable for the publisher to pay on that model as they get better at making use of the customer data. So as they get used of that, more use of that, and actually can monetize that consumer, then they're willing to pay 50 cents per subscription if they're knowing that they're making Ten dollars, twenty dollars out of each particular user. So that's the model that um, that we're introducing now, actually. Yeah. 
And we're also introducing a new free product. So we're going down the route because you know, our, largely our sales and our focus has been at the enterprise level. Right? We've been driven top-down approach. So um, you know, we go straight to the NFL teams, major soccer or AFL teams, and we haven't hit the community level yet. And we get inundated with um, you know, requests from local community um, football teams or netball teams that say, we'd really like to use your service. But the previous model has just been out of their reach. Even a couple of thousand dollars, even a thousand dollars is out of a community budget, right? Um, so we're introducing a new product, which is a social product, which is free, which we add back, advertising back. And, um, and it'll be great for um, entrepreneurs, um, student groups, community groups, uh, etc., to use um, for any, any means. You know, you could have your own cycling group that you've only got 12 members on, but you can have your own eco happening for your members and know exactly where the ride's happening this today and, and, and do whatever you like. So I think that's a really big market opportunity for us, a huge one, because there's tens and tens of thousands of sports clubs in Australia, of which sports. we haven't even reached into. And beyond sports, anyone doing events, presumably. Well, that's right, and that, and that brings up the next question. We're just not sports, so already we're extending and, and, and expanding verticals. So really our, our products can be used for sports, media, we've just done a deal with uh, Westfield Southland, right? So um, that will allow um, uh, them to market all their fashion events, appearances, in-store promotions and discounts and offers, um, which is brilliant. So um, uh, we're doing an integration with an e-learning platform, okay, so you buy a, uh, an education package, you have it all just synced into your calendar with access to all the resources that you need. Um, we've got another product which is profile based. So, going on to um, the model where uh, you've got these high personalization sites. Um, so, ticketing is a great example, right? So, you sign up to a ticketing site, you create your profile of interest, and they send you events that suit your interest but also recommendations. So, we can just, via API, tap into those recommendations and serve you that via the calendar. So, um, there's wow. that ability to do that as well. So my calendar is going to be like my inbox. <laughs> well, you've got the, you've got the control though. You've got the, you've got better control. Yeah, and choice.